We grow up believing separation is possible. Love can be lost, forgiveness withheld, mercy refused, grace denied, our very life forsaken. However, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not your faults, not your most horrible awfulness, not your doubts or lack of faith, not your suffering, not your prison cell, not your failure. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Not your anger at God when things go sideways. Not your questioning if God even exists. Not your turning away. Not your running away. Not even your hiding away. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. God is with you like gravity. You cannot pull away. You cannot be thrown away. No matter where you go, God is there, loving you, forgiving you, mending you, claiming you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Nothing. Amen. Good morning, Stone Village, and happy Sunday. I hope that all of you are well and safe in this world. All is well in my world. The Lord be with you, and let us pray. Prepare us, O God, to hear your word through the scripture of this day. Confront us with your claim upon our lives. Clarify the choices we must make if our lives are to have meaning and purpose. Help us to respond to the one who came as the bread of life, so we may know life at its fullest and at its very best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The reading today is from John chapter 21, verses 1 through 19. <clears throat> After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was him. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the lake. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. 
When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 to be exact. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He then, he then said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and to go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, Jesus said to Simon, follow me. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. <clears throat> I'm five. Recently heard the word bitch. I embrace it with flair as only I can. And I give it a test drive in my kindergarten classroom. Seemed like a good idea. I'm six. My grandparents' husky, Rush, is hot and panting in the backyard. I decide to cut his hair. <laughs> Seemed like a good idea. I'm eight, rummaging through the basement crawl space in search of Christmas presents. Caught with a gold circle bag in one hand and an unopened Walkman in the other. I knew it wasn't a good idea. In each of those instances, although disappointment and a bit of exasperation were present, I was offered words of grace, forgiveness, and love. I'm 12, my grandparents have died. I now live in a home where words of forgiveness and affirmation are no longer spoken. In their place, there's only silence, blame, and tears. One is now abandoned for their transgressions, invisible until the next offense. Wounds which once healed now fester. 
and in time give birth to shame and hate and a belief that one will always be wrong and is no longer lovable. Do you know shame? I do. So does Peter in today's gospel reading. Peter, he is battling his shame on a fishing boat in the Sea of Tiberias. Peter the Rock. Peter, a fisher of people. Peter, who proclaimed Jesus, the Son of God, before any other disciple. Peter, whose mother-in-law, Jesus, healed. Peter, who walked on water. Peter, who saw Jesus transfigured on a mountaintop. Peter, who promised to stay by Jesus' side, even unto death. Peter, whose courage failed catastrophically around a charcoal fire on the night of Jesus' arrest. I imagine he expected to spend his life fleeing from that single moment. You, are you not also one of his disciples? Did I not see you in the garden with him? I am not, he said. Ashamed and wounded, Peter returns to his fishing boat. And isn't that what we all do when life becomes difficult, confusing and painful? Retreat to whatever is safe, comfortable, and familiar. We run headlong towards something, anything, that will help us feel competent and worthy again. Peter flees to his boats, his nets, his vocation before Jesus. As if there is some time or place in his life where shame is not, where his wound is not, where Jesus is not. But of course, wherever you go, there you are. Plus, there is no time or place in our life stories where Jesus isn't. He is just as present in our fleeing as he is everywhere else just as loving in the midst of our failures as he is when we succeed. Jesus has no stakes in drawing out our humiliation or maximizing our penance. That's all on us, found in our flawed theologies, our obsession with other people's failures, and our need to rebuke and shame wrongdoers in order to keep believing ourselves pure. Jesus doesn't have those flaws, those obsessions, or those needs. His will is reconciliation, and his pleasure is grace. However, in this moment, Peter doesn't know this, and we often forget this. So Peter spends a long night trying to catch fish without Jesus, and he fails. Dawn breaks, Jesus shows up. A miraculous catch of fish 
follows a night of futility. And Peter finds himself breathless and naked, sitting by a charcoal fire. Again, looking into the eyes of the Lord, the Lord he denied three times. Again, he finds himself facing three costly questions. What I find so meaningful and instructive in this story is the way Jesus saves Peter. by returning him to the source of his shame. He doesn't wrap the humiliated disciple in bubble wrap. He doesn't avoid the hard conversation. He doesn't pretend Peter's denials didn't happen, didn't wound. But neither does Jesus preach condemn, accuse, or retaliate. He feeds. He feeds Peter's body, and then he feeds Peter's soul. He surrounds the, the self-loathing disciple with tenderness and safety, inviting him to revisit his shame for the sake of healing restoration, and commissioning. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep. As I reflect on Peter's story, I wonder what our failures would feel like if we offered each other the safety Jesus offers Peter the safety to return to the heart of our wrongdoing and despair, the safety to wrap new language around our failures, the safety to experience unconditional love in the midst of our shame, the safety to try again. What would our lives, our relationships become if we were to embrace Jesus' version of reconciliation? Around the fire, Jesus builds. Peter's fear and denial, I don't know the man, evolves into trust and worship. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And in the end, Peter realizes it's what Jesus knows that matters most. Jesus knows we are more than our worst failures and betrayals. He knows we are prone to shame and self-hatred. He knows the deep places we flee to when we fail. He knows how to build a fire and prepare a meal. 
which will beckon us back to the safety of the shore, ensuring that we do not drown in the sea of our shame. Jesus' appearance to Peter, like all the post-resurrection appearances, speaks directly to God's priorities. And if you don't know, you are God's priority. In the days following the resurrection, Jesus doesn't waste a moment on revenge or retribution. He doesn't storm Pilate's home or punish the soldiers who drove nails into his hands. He doesn't seek out the crowd who shouted, crucify him. Instead, he spends his remaining time on earth feeding, tending, restoring, and strengthening his friends. He calls Mary Magdalene by name as she cries in the garden. He offers his wounds to Thomas. He grills bread and fish for his hungry disciples. He heals what's wounded and festering in Peter's heart. In other words, Jesus focuses on relationship, on reconciliation, on love. He's committed to delivering his friends, you and I, from fear, despair, self-hatred, and paralysis. And so on a lonely beach many years ago, Peter's shame met Jesus' grace, and grace won. A full-blown reflection of the gospel story. And if you will allow it, it can also be your story. And who knows, in time, perhaps on the other side of your healing, you too can be a sanctuary for the ashamed. May it be so. Amen. I give thanks to God for each of you, and I pray this day you bear witness to the love of God in this world. Bear witness to the love of God so that those to whom love is a stranger, they will find in you a generous and loving friend. In the name of Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. I love you, stoners. I hope you have a good day. Bye.